We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Yeah, you heard it there. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. That guy sitting right over there, that's Chris Biederman, and he covers the 49ers. For the Sacramento Bee, I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Chris, how we doing, man? I'm doing good. Doing well. You're doing, you're doing well. Superman does good. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well. <laughs> I apologize for that grammatical snafu to start, start off the pod, but um, yeah, doing good. Doing well. <laughs> well, a snafu, you're just kind of following in the steps of the 49ers who lost 34-24 to the Bills. On Monday Night Football, we're recording this podcast on Tuesday night. Now that we've gotten a chance to kind of digest and rewatch and and see what happened in the 49ers uh, blowout loss that took a lot of the air out of the the uh, balloon carrying their their postseason hopes. And Chris, I'll I'll kind of start with with the defense because Josh Allen, I think, is the story coming out of this game he was excellent in every facet the 49ers didn't have any answers for him he's 32 of 40 375 yards four touchdowns when was i I just want to start here i guess then we can get into the actual game and we'll get into our winners and losers and and our, our mvp and whatnot but have you when was the last time you saw a quarterback just so easily torch a 49ers defense like that it was probably Drew Brees last year with the Saints. I mean, de- de- okay. depending on um, that game or or depending on how you feel about the Super Bowl. But um, yeah, I-, I think it was, I-, I think it was pretty clearly the the best performance from a quarterback the 49ers have gone against this season. Sure. Um, and you know, I I, I struggle with how much you know like the the idea how much do you blame the the 49ers defense versus how much was it just Josh Allen going off um and they're not really being a whole lot you can do 
um, so, sort of regardless. And and maybe the the best way to to win that game, as Kyle Shanahan indicated afterwards, was to to make the game be a shootout like like that Saints game was last year. The problem with that, of course, is you don't have your starting quarterback, um, and there's a decided drop off between Nick Mullins and uh, from Jimmy Garoppolo to Nick Mullins, right? So um, the the style of game uh, did not did not play to the 49ers favor because for them to win with Nick Mullins, they need it to be a defensive game. Um, they need to control tempo. They need to run the ball, you know, with at least 30 attempts, which, which is, is Kyle Shanahan's sort of benchmark week after week, it seems like. Um, and they just weren't able to do that. Josh Allen was too good. Um, the pass rush couldn't get to him. The blitzes couldn't get to him. Zone didn't work in part because the pass rush wasn't effective. Man to man didn't really work because, those Bills receivers are a really tough matchup for the 49ers secondary. Um, you know, particularly, I know Dante Johnson played pretty well, but the fact that, um, you know, the, the 49ers were down to their fourth string off uh, option at, at slot cornerback um, against Cole Beasley, who's probably one of the better slot receivers in the league, and, and he wound up having a career game, not just because of Dante Johnson, um, but, you know, the T- Tarverius Moore didn't have a great game. It was just sort of a it was a game where the 49ers were going to have to get a lights out performance offensively to win. And, and last year, um, you know, even though the defense was much better and still gave up 46 points in that game to the Saints, the offense was good enough and in a better spot with George Kittle and with Jimmy Garoppolo and the and just everybody playing a little bit better, I think. Um, they were able to win a shootout like that. And I, and I guess the thing I, I come away with from last night is that the 49ers are not capable of winning a shootout. And when you go against a really hot quarterback, um, you know, it Robert Sala's defense is as good it's as it's been throughout most of the season, and as much as it's carried the 49ers, it's just not good enough without Nick Bosa and, and you know D Ford. Um, and you know, not the same level of Richard Sherman, which which we'll talk about. You know, you're you're not getting the defense that can contain a quarterback playing at a star level like Josh Allen was last night. So the 49ers just that that's not the style of game that they can win right now. And that was that was pretty clear in, in the game against Buffalo. Well, and when you two things, one, Josh Allen, I just did some quick research, 375 yard, four touchdown games against the 49ers in their history since 1950. Josh Allen last night and Dan Fouts in 1982. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it was Alan. He was excellent. Yeah. And I put in my story, um, NFL research came up with this, with this tweet. It was Allen's third game of the season with at least, at least 375 yards, three touchdowns and, uh, and a 130 passer rating or better. Drew Brees in 2013 is the only other quarterback in league history to have three games in, in a season like that. Jeez. So I think I underestimated how good Josh Allen was. Um, coming into the game, I, I sort of viewed him in, in a similar vein as Jared Goff, like somebody who when he's on, he could he could potentially be lights out. Um, and, you know, maybe you can take advantage of some mistakes. But, you know, like Jared Goff, you can pressure him and, and really rattle him. There was nothing there was no rattling Josh Allen last night. The only way you could have done it, um, you know, if, if the 49ers had Nick Bosa and D Ford in basically last year's defense, I still think Josh Allen is probably putting up 30 something points, sure. um, similar to the way that Saints game went last year. So I, I, I don't, you know, there were obviously issues with the defense, but I don't, I don't find it as an overarching, like, um, you know, I, I don't think we can look at the defense any differently, really than than we have been all year knowing that you know it's a it's a pretty solid defense but it really needs Nick Bosa to to be an elite defense right and I think last last night's game was an example of that because even in that Saints game last year you did have Nick Bosa make a big play in the first half um, a third down stop on Taysom Hill in that game that really slowed the momentum so even though the 49ers defense didn't have a good day overall it was still able to make some plays and last night there were just no plays. the The defense just couldn't make any plays. It was all Josh Allen basically doing whatever he wanted, and the Forty ers defense was on their heels and making mistakes and blowing coverages. Um, so it was just a, an example of like, you know, the the this is a game where you really miss Nick Bosa. 
right like yeah and and i think and and i think that was my that was the second thing i was going to get to there was like there was all this talk about the niners playoff push and whatnot but that's what's going to happen against playoff teams Oh, no doubt. No and doubt. that's, I mean, they, they they are the Rams a playoff team. Yeah, but they play them twice a year. There's a familiarity there. There's the divisional factor that, you know, maybe swings that game a little bit differently. Throw the window, throw the records out the window when those two teams play. But against a, against a team the Niners don't see twice a year every year, that's just kind of what's going to happen when Deion Jordan's playing a ton of snaps or, or uh, you know, Kerry Hyder Jr. is having a great year, but he's not Nick Bosa. And and Jordan Willis is not D Ford. Like they're just they are they're lacking talent wise, and they kind of have been all year. And you can you can win a game against the the New York Giants or the Jets or even even the Patriots with that talent. But when you face the Saints and the Packers and the Bills, like this is just what's kind of going to happen. Yeah, totally agree. And um, and you know we we've seen good quarterbacks towards the 49ers before. Russell Wilson did it. Aaron sure. Rodgers did it. Um, so, you know, I, I went into the game thinking the 49ers had a really good chance at winning because I, you know, the 49ers coming in were 10 and five in December under Kyle Shanahan. And just given what happened in the Rams game with Debo Samuel going off, um, the defense playing as well as it did, I thought the 49ers could be one of those teams in an NFC where nobody is really standing out at the moment that, you know, could, could get hot at the end of the season. And then potentially if Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle come back, be a really tough out in the playoffs. And that's not to say I thought they were, you know, going to win, um, you know, one or two playoff games, but I thought they they just would have been a tough out sort of regardless. And last night was a clear differentiator between um, where the 49ers are currently, given all of their injury issues and everything they've gone through this season, compared to a team that's rolling right along through the season in a similar way to how the 49ers were last year, right? Like the 49ers regular season last year was smooth. They had some issues, mm-hmm. but overall they were healthy enough um, to, to overcome their issues, whether it be through Kyle Shanahan's scheme or just the fact that you had Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Bosa for all season. You know, both those guys mm-hmm. appeared in every game. You only had a two game absence from George Kittle. Um, Richard Sherman was a better version of himself last year and, and appeared in 15 games. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, it's it's understandable like how it got there and and i right. i i uh i was more optimistic about the 49ers chances and and then it was a stark reminder that okay when you go against a hot quarterback and you have nick mullins it's going to be very difficult to win if you're not playing a perfect game yep. and that's what kyle shanahan said afterwards he was like nick was good but he wasn't good enough and and because of that we needed we needed to be perfect in all facets and the 49ers just weren't there were there were some mistakes um, you know, on both sides of the ball and, uh, and they just, they were clearly outclassed. Like it was just a scenario where the bills are rolling. Um, they're healthier, they're better. And, uh, and the Niners just, just didn't have any answers because Josh Allen was too good. Yeah. Let's jump over to the other side of the ball since you brought up Nick Mullins there. And I think the, the, the NFL being a quarterback league, that's been the case for, for a long time. I think maybe even more so now, but sometimes you need to be able to just put the ball on your quarterback's right arm and say, Hey, keep up with this opposing quarterback. And Josh Allen is a guy who's elevating himself into the kind of NFL's elite while Nick Mullins is just not, he's a backup quarterback. And I didn't think he was bad necessarily on Monday night, but there were, there were definite, there were definitely missed throws, but those happen. But it was even completions where there were a couple to Ayuk in the first quarter where Ayuk had to dive and fall down on the ground to to make a catch. And that's not good in an offense built around yards after the catch. And you're taking away Ayuk's best skill in that in that scenario in creating yards with the ball in his hands. And yep. I think things like that were were a big problem. He pulled the trigger late on a couple of throws that led to incompletions and when you're in a shootout going three and out is not is not a a, a thing that you can do you, you just can't you can't throw an interception in the end zone that's just not a thing you can do and that's why Mullins like I said he wasn't bad last night I didn't think but he 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 was certainly not 
I just I don't think there's any level he can reach where he's going to keep up with a player like Allen playing like he was last night. Yeah, offensively, I mean, to me, it was, you know, the first half was a very clear indicator that it was a really lopsided game. And and the fact, you know, the 49ers got a touchdown um, that that first drive, or I guess not technically the first drive, but it sort of worked out to it being an extension of the first drive after getting the fumble after failing at the goal line and turning the ball over on downs. But, you know, th- there was a third down pass interference against uh, Levi Wallace, I believe, on, on Brandon Ayuk. That was really questionable. Um, and that was ended up being like a 20 or 30-something yard penalty um, and ultimately helped the 49ers get into range. If there wasn't that play and there wasn't the play with the Bills just fumbling the snap, the running back Zach Moss fumbling it right back to the 49ers after getting that goal line stand, um, you know, the 49ers are looking at a scenario where they might have been shut out in the first half. Yep. And the Bills outgained them 277 to 122 in the first half. And Nick Mullins only had 57 yards while completing six of nine throws. The 49ers were running the ball. Um, you know, they they ran 16 times in the first half. But, you know, if, if you're going to win a game where the other quarterback is hot, you either have to be extremely effective at at running the ball or get good quarterback play. Obviously you want both, but the 49ers were, were just not, were not great in running in in the running game. And, and, you know, Raheem Mostert had some, had some good runs on that first drive and Jeff Wilson broke a couple, but overall, you know, like it wasn't a very impressive performance from the 49ers running game. And that's been a trend sort of for the last, I don't know, month, six weeks that they just haven't really been able to run the ball or get any explosive performances from their running backs. And part of that is because of injuries, but it all comes back to like, if your game plan is going to be so heavily predicated on running the ball, like the 49ers clearly was coming into the game, you need to be better than, than what they were, um, you know, running the ball. And they, they only had 86 yards on 21 carries and they did have to veer away from it in the second half as they got down by double digits. But you know, Nick Mullins, that that's the issue you have when you're playing with Nick Mullins. And you can make the same argument about Jimmy Garoppolo, but mm-hmm. you know, the 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 issue is if you don't if you're a running team and you can't run the ball, you don't have any margin for error. And you make right. up for that by getting good quarterback play. And Mullins wasn't very good um, you know, until garbage time. Really, he had 144 of his 316 yards came in the fourth quarter. Jeez. Um, after the game was decided. And and they didn't get Debo Samuel a reception until late in the third quarter. His final numbers ended up being pretty good. Six catches for 73 yards. Brandon Ayuk, I thought, had a really nice game save for that dropped um that drop ball that led to the interception, which led to a field goal. Um, so you know, I wanna, like it, I wanna you're not 39 attempts from Nick Mullins is not how you're gonna win a game. And no. and that comes back to the defense, but there are gonna be games in the NFL where you go against a hot quarterback. And no matter what your defense is, similar to the Saints game last year, um, you know, your defense is can get torched in this league. And then it's up to your quarterback to pick up the slack. And the 49ers just can't do that um, with who they have available right now. Do you think now Tredavious White was guarding Debo Samuel for for a lot of the early part of the game? He's a terrific young corner from the 2017 draft. A really good player had an interception later. When, when Mullins did finally target him. But do you think the, the Niners in those situations need to just force the ball to their playmakers? Like even if even if the, the defense is lined up in a way that, that Shanahan thinks that they're defending against that little uh, jet sweep action the Niners run, is it one of those, is it a scenario where you just try and get it to him anyways? Yeah, I mean, I, I would, you know, I would try bubble screens, um, you know that the, there are a whole lot of creative things you can do with Debo Samuel that they just didn't really do in the first half. It feels like it, it feels like to me, and and it, it's been this way for for a while. When like George Kittle gets taken completely out of a game by a team, it's like a team says, "Hey, the the, the George Kittle's not going to beat us," and it's like Shanahan wants the quarterback to go away from that because it means there's going to be a matchup that they like elsewhere. Yeah, and it's like. Like last night, they they targeted Ayuk a ton uh, in the early going when Samuel was matched up against White, and then White traveled over to Ayuk, and Samuel started getting more involved. I, I 
I, this that's not the reason they lost this game. I'm I'm trying to bring up a a larger point. That's a scenario where to me, especially coming off the game Samuel had against the Rams, just like you said, get him a get him a screen or two, get the ball in his hands, and and even if it goes nowhere, like get you got to get him involved. I think Debo having no catches through most of three quarters is pretty inexcusable. Yeah. And he only had one carry to that point too. Like it, so it wasn't, you know, he was pretty much a non-factor for the first, you know, three quarters of the game Mm -hmm. and he had to be a huge factor. And I thought where he mostert had to be more of a factor and I don't know, um, you know, nine carries for him. I'll, I'll be interested to to hear what Kyle Shanahan has to say about sort of the running back situation because I, I was expecting more of a role from Mostert, and then you had the observation that he might have gotten banged up early in that game, which I which I thought was a good one and and would have made sense given the way um, his night sort of played out. Um, but yeah, you you have to get you have to get more touches for for Debo. I mean, right now Brandon Ayuk's numbers in his last. Uh, what four or five games have been good I think he has four touchdowns in his last five games and mm-hmm. when he's been available he's been he's been really productive um but you need somebody else right because you don't have George Kittle um the running game isn't going very well so you, it can't just be Ayuk and then you know Jordan Reed targets on third down like like you need to get Samuel involved and I think that would be my criticism of, of sort of the game plan because regardless of you know the bills playing wide nine and taking away all the edge rushes like there there are ways to you know there are ways to get Debo involved that that aren't like that there was a run last year against the Panthers where it was like an inside trap where you put Debo in motion or whatever and then you run this really sneaky inside handoff with him and he scored a touchdown out of it. And that was a game where, you know, the 49ers ran for like 260 yards against the Panthers, whatever it was. And that's, and that's just Kyle Shanahan is just way too brilliant of an offensive coach to just have a, to, to me, have a defense, just take a guy away. Yeah. And maybe I'm, maybe maybe I'm simplifying it way too much, or maybe he's on a higher level of thinking where, like I said, they're forcing, this guy out of the game. So we're going to bring in, you know, their game planning. We're going to bring in Ayuk and we're going to get Jordan Reed more involved because they're trying so hard. And it's just to me that, that just, I don't know. Yeah. It, that never happens with Travis Kelsey. You know what I'm saying? Like right. Tyree kill doesn't just get taken out of games. It, they still throw the ball. To him. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, that there's also something we, we should mention is, you know, Samuel missed practice to start last week. Right. Kyle Shanahan talked about him being sore from the Rams game. And, you know, on the broadcast, they mentioned that Shanahan said that Samuel hasn't had, you know, more than six to 10 practices since the Super Bowl, which, you know, which is true. But, you know, like if he's on the field, he's got to be a threat, right? Like if he if he's playing and he's on there, he has to be a threat or else there's no use in playing him. Yes. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I, I think that's a criticism of, of Shanahan's game plan for sure. <laughs> the fact that you couldn't figure out a way to get Samuel in some sort of rhythm, given not much else was working. Um, I just, I want to be clear real quick. You were advocating for River Creek half snaps. <laughs> <laughs> Why was Trent Taylor inactive? <laughs> we need answers. <laughs> Let's uh let's hit a break and then we'll get to our uh, good game bad games. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total job visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your businesses going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore Total Visits, so it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. 
Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is our best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. That's game spreads, totals, team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. It's honestly, it's it's mind blowing sometimes. Like you can't wrap your brain around all the different ways there are to win at Bet Online, and you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day. Every single day, head to Bet Online right now and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. That's all one word: BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Trent Taylor, a healthy scratch. Chris, your thoughts? Uh, you know. <laughs> You have you have River Craycraft as a gunner and and working on kickoff returns, and you have limited spots available with your receivers healthy. It's it's gonna be what happens at Trent Taylor. Down, Brandon Ayuk looked pretty good on that punt return, sixteen yards. Yeah, not really surprising that Ayuk would. Yeah. I mean, he's probably the 49ers' best punt returner. He just also happens to be one of your two or three most important. Right. players on offense right. right now and you probably don't need to risk him getting hurt on on punt returns maybe if you're like actually in the playoffs or in the playoff hunt and uh sure. the, then maybe you you go to that that type of thinking full-time but i'm going to i haven't looked this up yet 16 yards has to be the niners longest punt return of the year right i feel like trent taylor had like a 20 yarder at one point okay i'm not positive though I wouldn't be surprised if that was the longest return of the year total, like combined. Is this the year of the punter and nobody's talking about it? We're this guy just completely it. made that up. I don't know. <laughs> <It's> not... <laughs> uh, you're right. Trent, Trent Taylor did have a 20 yarder. He has 98 yards worth of returns. How many returns? Eight. He averages 12.3. That's a decent, that's a better average that's than I thought. Really not bad. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is. Third in overall punt return yards, despite having just one punt return. <laughs> yeah, I mean the look when Ken, when the schedule came out, Ken, Ken Webster got came, credited with a punt return when he had the ball bounce off his face in New Orleans, FYI. which was Trent Taylor's fault. I mean, look when the, when the schedule came out, I saw the slate of punters the 49ers were going against and knew mm, it was going to be did. tough sledding for for their return game. Go back and find that podcast in our feed if you haven't. <laughs> Candle Kick Chronicles. That's great. <laughs> let's 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 get to good game, bad game. It's our winners and losers segment, but we're bloggers. So or I'm a blogger, you're a beat writer, and we are podcasters and calling a professional athlete a loser feels wrong. Yep. So good game guy we just talked about, Brandon Ayuk. He to me is a a bona fide legit receiver. If Debo Samuel is an offensive weapon and the Niners best offensive weapon right now I think Brandon Ayuk's their best receiver yeah I, I think you know the the subtle route running things that he did like he had that uh it happened a couple times I think one one was a touchdown the other was a catch over the middle where he did sort of this like stop cut fake like fake towards the outside towards the sideline and then jump back inside and created all sorts of separation like it seems like every single week Brandon Ayuk does one little thing that sort of makes you like go, oh, like this, you know, yeah. th- this is not like your your typical rookie. And I think he had another moment late late in the game with that um with that deep ball. Like the the his ability really to um be running in a straight line, turn and then start uh backpedaling, still make the catch and then turn towards the sideline. It was just like his his adjustment mid flight to that ball um was really nicely done and not something that uh you know we've seen from really any 49ers receivers this year like the the deep ball just has not been um a part of the 49ers offense because of either the quarterback play or the the receiver play or the fact that you know chemistry whatever um it just hasn't been there and so seeing that from Ayuk 
I think is really promising because you do wonder, you know, you you like Ayuk and you like Samuel a lot. But if there is a question about them, it's it's, you know, can these guys make deep explosive plays downfield? Um, and I think Ayuk definitely can. And I think Samuel's certainly capable, though a lot more of his explosive plays are going to come, um, you know, when he gets a ball in space and breaks one tackle and then, you know, sort of off to the races. But um, no, a really good game from Ayuk. I think I say it every week. I think he's going to be a star at some point. Um, his physical skills are really unique and and his numbers uh, over the past month are uh, are are setting up to be pretty good. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, it's worth noting, has now overtaken George Kittle as the team leader in receptions and yards. It it's only took time. until week 13 for George Kittle to be supplanted, despite playing only six games. So I got the number. Oh, hold on. Kendrick Bourne is the. Nope. Kendrick Bourne missed a game, but he's the only 49ers receiver to play double digit games this year. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, check that. Trent Taylor did as well. So Brandon Ayuk in his last five games is averaging uh, 77 yards per carry, or sorry, 77 receiving yards per game, which would put him over 1,240 paced out Man. to an entire season. And he has four touchdowns over that stretch. It's a team um, yeah, so, so he's good. Like I, I think yeah. Brandon Ayuk is going to be really good, and I think yeah. he can be a number one sort of receiver in the context of the 49ers offense with George Kittle. Like I, I think, you know, if you can get Ayuk continue continuing on this trajectory, get Debo Samuel healthy um, and Kittle healthy, then I think, you know, next year, if you presuming, presuming the 49ers add another option or two or get Jalen Hurd back or whatever, uh-huh. um, the, the offense could be good. And I could be obviously a big part of that. Last thing on Ayuk before we get to our first bad game. Ayuk has a chance to lead the 49ers in receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, scrimmage yards, and total touchdowns, which would be pretty good for a first-year player, in my opinion. Uh, IMO. First first bad game, uh, Richard Sherman. Really good against the Rams. Not so good last night. Yeah. Um, It just wasn't. It wasn't a lockdown performance that, you know, you would come to expect from Richard Sherman. And and some of it, I think, is the issues in the secondary with, you know, you have your four string slot corner. I, I think that impacts a little bit of everybody. Um, there was a miscommunication on, on the late touchdown. Sherman let his guy go. He thought he had help over the top. That wasn't there. Um, ultimately, I mean, if Sherman, you know, Sherman's the captain of the defense, he's he's as important a player as they have on the field uh, defensively. And if there is a miscommunication in the secondary, I think some of that does have to fall on him. And obviously he's not the only one communicating, but being that he's sort of the, the elder statesman out there responsible, you know, in part for, for getting everybody on the same page, if there are communication issues, I do think some of that does fall on him. And, you know, he was in coverage on Cole Beasley's touchdown um, he had the penalty on Stefan Diggs that negated Fred Warner's interception. And, and maybe, you know, maybe the penalty was a good thing because had he not committed the penalty, maybe Diggs runs past him and it's a, you know, it's a long touchdown pass um, instead of Allen checking down and ultimately getting picked by Warner. But, you know, it, it was uh, throughout the broadcast, you know, the uh, uh, Lewis Riddick and, and Brian Greasy were talking about, you know, the 49ers just can't match up with, um, with Stefan Diggs and, and Cole Beasley. Mm-hmm. And, you know, normally, like, it, it was really sort of the first time, I think, for me that it was like, damn it, you know, maybe Richard Sherman is is aging out at, at a rate where, you know, he's, he's it, it wouldn't make sense for the 49ers to bring him back next year, right? Like, yes. and there was a quote he gave Matt Mayoko on his podcast this week saying it's it's um, it's looking unlikely that Sherman's going to come back next year. And maybe that has to do with price. Maybe that has to do with the fact that, you know, the 49ers don't want to pay a, um, you know, 33-year-old guy whatever he's going to command when it could be that he can get more money from another team like wherever Robert Sala ends up, for example. Right. Or, you know, going back to Seattle where Sherman still has a house and his kids go to school. Right. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it was just like, wow, like a stark reality of man, maybe, maybe Richard Sherman can't just match up with these guys, um, on his own without a great pass rush. And maybe that's a big problem. Um, not a big problem, but maybe that's an issue. The 49ers have to have to seriously think about because they can't just have corners who are on the field and play well with, you know, with with good pass rush and it's obviously all tied together and stuff but it was it was just a little bit alarming because it was the first time in a while really where it felt like man maybe Richard Sherman is is getting a little bit old and and maybe he is a tough matchup or it is a tough matchup for him when he has to go man to man against some of these better receivers like Stefan Diggs or Cole Beasley it felt like the Super Bowl yeah yeah that's a good point and and we haven't seen a ton of Sherman this year because he was hurt in week one or, or got hurt in week one and then and then only came back last week against the Rams, a team that they see a bunch. So it, it's going to be very interesting to see how his final four games play out and and the impact that has on his market. A uh, good game, a guy we talked about a lot at the top of the podcast, Josh Allen. He was uh, stupendous. Chris, he was really good. Just, just like the. the it was as flawless of a game from a quarterback as I've seen in in a while. His ability to escape the pocket and roll to his right and like hit dudes like 30 yards downfield on the run and hit them accurately in a way where they could get yards after the catch was pretty staggering, right? And like, yeah. you know, Richard Sherman said it after the game. I asked him like, you know, you can do this scramble drill and all that, but is there any is there sort of any way you can actually prepare for a quarterback when the you know the plays break down and um, they're working off schedule? And he's like, not really, because you don't know exactly what play is going to break down, where guys are, how the pass rush you know impacts the quarterback's decision to move right or move left or whatever. This is all this is all freelance stuff. And when you know, I, I think the 49ers defense was was decent at um you know pressuring Allen or or covering the receivers for the first few seconds of the play to the point where a lot of what Allen did was off schedule and and that's sort of when the talent disparity comes out like when you mm-hmm. have really good receivers versus a secondary that isn't as good and then um you know those guys are just freelancing like you're beyond the structure of the defense you just kind of have to play backyard football and that's you know, that was a very clear um, delineation for me between the talent level on the field, between the Bills and, and the Niners. Um, and a lot of that was just because Josh Allen was just really, really good at throwing on the run, really accurate, really big arm. I mean, he completed 80% of his passes. That's incredible. Right. Like you're not. It, and, you know, 19 of 22 to Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley. It was a it was a big day for big fast strong-armed quarterbacks yeah josh josh allen i know this isn't a josh allen podcast but since his rookie year his completion rate has gone up more than 17 points he's almost uh he only played 11 games 12 games his rookie year uh but last year he already has six more touchdowns than he had all of last year his touchdown rate from his rookie year has almost doubled his interception rate has been cut in half He's (laughs) He's <laughs> his yards per attempt has gone up a complete yard and a half. His rating has gone up 38 points. He's <laughs> it's it is. And, and I'm going to tie this back to the Niners here. When it, when you talk about drafting a quarterback, which, which is something that I, I believe we will be discussing a lot in the off season where, Hey, there's evidence that athletic guys with big arms can improve and get better. Yeah. And previously, the, the the previous, I think, kind of line of thinking was, hey, if a guy's inaccurate, a guy's inaccurate, you can't fix it. Well, Josh Allen is fixing it, and he showed last night. Yeah. I, I also think it's course. rare, right? Like, I know there's there's this whole big debate sort of between the draft analytics community about accuracy and, and mm-hmm. the sort of traditional scouting where it's, you know, oh, big athletic, strong-arm quarterback, whatever. This is, I think this is one for the old-school scout. Right. And yes. generally, like I, yes. I tend to lean towards the more progressive thinking when it comes to, you know, evaluating quarterbacks and accuracy mattering and all that stuff. But like if you're going to do like a debate 
of Josh Allen versus Baker Mayfield, which sort of like typifies that argument, like Baker being the analytics darling who was really good from a clean pocket in college and really accurate. And apparently that's the thing that translates to the NFL most. Whereas mm-hmm. Josh Allen like played at a small school, um, not super accurate, but man, really wild with arm talent and physicality and all that. Like this is this is one for that old school line of thinking, which just goes to show how difficult it is to evaluate quarterbacks. Like that's probably the most difficult thing in the NFL. And it's also the most important thing is finding a star quarterback. And it seems like the bills have one. So I, I think it's a good job by um, Brandon Bean and, um, and Sean McDermott and how they've constructed that. And those two dudes were guys of 49ers interviewed um, during that hiring cycle uh, before they ultimately settled on Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, which, which is interesting because there's a world where Sean McDermott's coaching the 49ers and they have Josh Allen and, um, you know, Brandon Bean's a GM and, and it's a whole, whole different set of scenario, uh, set of scenarios, which, you know, would be fascinating to think about, but we don't have to go down that hypothetical (laughs) rabbit hole. Uh, one coach who is not hypothetically with the 49ers. He still is at least for the time being is their defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, who was hired in that 2017 cycle. He did not have a great game last night. But it's hard to put it squarely on his shoulders, given a lot of the things we talked about earlier with who was playing on the defensive line. Even DJ Jones left with what the team thinks is a high ankle sprain. He left in the first quarter. He's arguably their best defensive lineman. Uh, Dante Johnson started at nickel, but it just seemed like it just seemed like Robert Sala just didn't have any answers last night. Whether it's zone or man, or they sent additional pass rushers, or they dropped extra guys in coverage. The, the Bills just had answers for everything. Yeah, and that's basically what Fred Warner said after the game. It was like they had the perfect play call for everything we tried to do. And obviously that that's a lot easier when you're, you know, going against a defense that isn't nearly as talented because of injuries. Um, but it's it's not a good look for Robert Sala, right? Like if yeah. if there's if there are no answers, then that's a problem because this is the same defense that's shut down or, you know, that's that beat up on the Rams last week. Um, so maybe some of that is the bye week and having, you know, being well rested and, and obviously too, there's a whole like stuck in Arizona, um, you know, logistics up, like completely uprooting your life and going to a hotel in Glendale and, and all of that, that we haven't really talked about though. I don't really know what, what analysis we can, we can derive from that line of thinking, but like there are other factors, but no, it wasn't a good game from Robert Sala just from the standpoint of. The Bills offense did whatever it wanted and the 49ers had no answers for it. And ultimately that reflects the coaching. Um, not to say that, you know, we think let or I don't think any less of Robert Solid as a defensive coordinator head coaching candidate after that game, but it just right. it's not a good look when your defense has zero answers for for an NFL team. You can be a good coach and have a bad game, it turns out. It's possible. Or a good player and have a bad game. That's also possible. We don't have Why? to cut or fire anybody after after every single game. Nuance. Crazy. Yes. Um, and for the record, nobody's saying Robert Sala should be fired. We're just. No, but it's it. it's always like you tweet out a negative stat or a take about the game and people are like, see, told you Robert Sala is overrated. Yep, it sucks. Most overrated <laughs> DC in the game. It's like, all right. So he had a bad game with, you know, yeah. whatever. He did have a bad game, though. Objective. Yeah. Yeah. But it, yeah, not not every bad game is. Is uh, created equal. Right. Two guys who had good games, we're lumping these two together because they're both receivers for the Bills. Uh, Gabriel Davis and Isaiah McKenzie. Really, really good game from those guys. Uh, five catches, six... In- What's that? No? It- oh, okay. Uh, Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley, 19 <laughs> catches on 22 targets. Chris, you noted these numbers earlier. 222 yards and a touchdown for those guys. They were unstoppable. Yeah. Th- th- that's just... that. That's it. Every Every... Every big moment of that game where the Niners needed a stop, it was it was Beasley or it was Diggs, and there was nothing San Francisco could do. Yeah, one other stat which is sort of related to this, like the the Bills had, um, I think they had nine. I should I should know this offhand. Hold on, one, two, three, four. Bills had ten possessions in the game, or I guess nine actual possessions, um, and they only had nine third downs. Because they were wow. kicking so much ass on first and second down. That That's unbelievable. 
Right. That's that's incredible. And so much of that is just because of how effective Diggs and Beasley were. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of analysis other like that that route where Stefan Diggs like put Jason Verrett on spin cycle and you know, it looked like he twisted that his ankle. Nasty. Like that was that was a nasty route, and I remember you identifying um, Stefan Diggs at the uh, Maryland Stanford uh, Foster's Farms Bowl in mm. whatever year that was. Was it the first year? Was that twenty fourteen? Two thousand fourteen. Yeah. 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 So Bills Bills Mafia, um, you owe a lot to Kyle Madsen for discovering your yeah. Your you're welcome. Receiver. Maryland legend Stefan Diggs. Have we told that story Stephon on the pod? Marshawn Diggs. That is. 2015 NFL draft. No big deal. <laughs> I'm the one. Um, sorry. That's that's the the value, Chris, of in person scouting versus um, <laughs> YouTube highlights is invaluable. Yeah. And you nerds want to look at your computers. I prefer to be there in person, drinking Goose Island IPAs and freezing my ass off to watch Stefan Diggs make a couple of catches. Lean over to you and go. That guy's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a traditionalist in that in that way. Uh, yep, the Vikings Mullins, and Bills have you to thank for sure. Yes, Nick Mullins. He wasn't good. But I didn't think the, he was good. He wasn't. He wasn't like. He wasn't the reason they like they lost. He kind of was. Most. <laughs> I was trying to, but he he threw two interceptions. For example. The one he tried to force into to, the second one he tried to force into Jeff Wilson when the Niners were already down seventeen and they were trying to score late, um, and then the other one bounced off Ayuk's hands. I actually thought it was one of his better throws in the night. He kept it low where only his receiver could get it. But we we talked about this already. He was just he's too inaccurate, and when he's under pressure, I just feel like there's. It's it's very difficult for him to make a play when when the play breaks down. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, you can rattle him. Uh, you're very rarely gonna get an accurate throw from him when he is pressured. He can occasionally roll out and make a play downfield, um, particularly to his right. But overall, he's not great at evading pressure. Um, really, the the Niners' comeback attempt in that game sort of died with that failed quarterback sneak where I think for the first time I've ever seen it, a quarterback was called for a false start on a quarterback sneak. Unbelievable. And he was re- really excited to to potentially get that play. Um, but, you know, he probably would have scored if he just would have ran it uh, like he should have without moving his feet before the snap. But um, that play, that the, the interception you mentioned on the throw to Wilson came right after that failed quarterback sneak. Um, and they had to throw it because they were moved back Right. Five yards because of that false start. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's Nick Mullins. I think it's very clear that he's a backup quarterback that is better than a lot of backup quarterbacks because you can win games with Nick Mullins as your quarterback. It's just difficult. <laughs> like it's, it's You need to be I, you need to be perfect in yeah. every facet. Yeah. They weren't. Yeah. And you're not you know, I think it's clear unless it's just a bad team um you know maybe like in the the scenario where the 2018 Raiders came in on that short week and weren't prepared for Mullins and he came out like there are scenarios where he can torch a bad team but more likely than not Nick Mullins is not going to play well enough to win you a game against a potential playoff team on his own you're going to need a a really good performance from the running game and a really good performance from your defense 49ers got none of those and they got, you know, a B minus C plus performance from Mullins. And if you're not going to have the running game and defense, you need an A performance and he's a backup quarterback and you can't count on a backup quarterback to give you an A performance. So yeah, not a great game from Mullins and just sort of a, the contrast between Mullins game and Allen's game, I think goes to show how wide the gulf is between Nick Mullins and an elite level quarterback. Yep. Right. Like that's not like a it's not a super insightful take, but it's it's sort of no, the truth but it was, about the game. <laughs> it was it was Doug Peterson said before the Niners Eagles game, the 49ers have two starting quarterbacks referring to Jimmy Garoppolo and right. Nick Mullins. Right. And 
can Nick can Nick Mullins start in the NFL? Yeah, but your ceiling is probably like five or six wins. That's an absolute ceiling. And with Josh Allen, your ceiling is a Super Bowl. Right. And 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 Josh Allen isn't isn't probably one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the league. So um it just it, it really if they weren't already put to bed, it just put to bed any notion that that to me, Nick Mullins is gonna be any team's long term starter. Right. And it, it'll be interesting to see what his free agency is like in the spring. Yeah. I would imagine he comes back, but um He's a good backup. Like Yeah, he's he, he's a good backup and if you run the system backup. then you know, like if you're Robert Sala and you bring uh, Matt LaFleur with you, or sorry, Mike LaFleur with you to to be your offensive coordinator, having Mullins as sort of like a stopgap slash backup option wouldn't be a bad setup. Yeah, absolutely. Like Brian Hoyer when you bring in, you know, a, a rookie or, or whatever. We're going to have a lot of Matt Stafford conversations on this podcast. FYI, buckle up, folks. Future 49er Matt Stafford? Possibly. And Question on that mark? note, who was your game MVP so we can get out of here? Josh Allen. <laughs> For all the reasons we mentioned, like we all we always try and pick two different ones, but like, dude, it's Josh Allen. He was the best player on the field by a wide margin last night. Yeah, I, yeah, I, it wasn't <laughs> close. I mean, you, I guess you could make a case for for Diggs or or Cole Beasley if you want. I guess, but yeah, or was, Brian Dable. But you're gonna be wrong because it was it was Josh Allen. Also, want to shout out Robbie Gold. Uh, he's now 11th all-time on the NFL career field goals list. Uh, he hit number 398 last night. We did it. In, uh, in the 49ers win. We've done it. Shout out to Robbie. Gold. All right. We're going to get out of here. Candlestick Chronicles. Subscribe right review if you haven't. See you guys next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.